the game. This is Love Set Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. This podcast is sponsored by Tennis Pal. Tennis Pal for iPhone and Android is an app for anything tennis. It connects you with other players and coaches to chat, schedule playtime, and share moments with. Download the app today at tennispal.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Philip Kim, also known as the tennis pro for the historic Langham Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California. And it's a joy to have my co-host back in the hot seat again. <laughs> Welcome back, Valerie Garcia. Oh, it's hot. hot. Yeah, and it hey, really Paul. is hot uh, in our seats these days, isn't it? I mean, how are you handling the heat? Stay indoors. Lots of air conditioning, <laughs> right? Yes. Have you been hit at all by the rolling electricity blackouts that we've been having? Uh, no, thankfully. So, yes, that's yes. Nice. Uh, you? What about you? We haven't been hit, but I've seen it on um, nextdoor.com in our neighborhood. People are saying, oh, we just had a blackout, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it, here in Southern California, we have had record 100-degree weather uh, in the last couple of days and almost two weeks now, uh, high-degree weather, which is about 38 degrees Celsius, I think, for our international listeners. So very hot, and unfortunately, we're in the wildfire season again, and it just feels like we have wildfires every year now. That just doesn't seem right, you know? Yeah, um, I have friends in the valley um, in Southern California where it's on fire. And there's there was a lot uh, local to you and I in Azusa and uh, some in Riverside, I believe. And then Northern Cal, where my sister lives, they're just on fire everywhere up there. Yeah, that fire looks really bad. That's about uh, six to eight hours away from us where we are. But the uh, fires that Valerie just talked about in Azusa, that's actually where my tennis program is. It's on hold right now, obviously, because of COVID. But yes, we would definitely have seen ash coming in over the courts from those fires because that's really in our backyard. Yeah. So uh, best wishes to everybody who's struggling through all of that in uh, Southern California and, and dealing with uh, all the heat, which means a lot less tennis uh, on the tennis courts. I think a lot of people have been taking a break. So I've seen an attendance drop in the local courts, at least, just as far as people showing up in the heat. You know, it's just too much, right? Yeah, for most people. I know you and I are sun lovers, so... Well, we tend to go out there and brave the heat. Yep. But yep. we're lizards. It's nice, it's nice for people like us who have open courts in the middle of the day. 
Exactly. We really enjoy the heat. And so I, I actually don't mind playing it like 12-1-2 when it's completely empty. So that's great. Or I'll bring out the ball machine and, you know, work on the old backhand. Did so, you get a ball machine, Philip? I've had one for about two years. Yeah. Oh, but I didn't even know that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a cheapy small one that I really enjoy and it works fine. I actually converted it from battery to AC so because the courts where I hit they actually have electricity from the public park so I can nice. actually plug it in because before if I had a battery it would only last 20-30 minutes and then it would die you know how those batteries always die uh-huh. so yep. it's nice to have a, a plug-in for that yeah that's cool what what brand is yours uh, do you know I, no is it that little box the little black box you set down on the floor I'll have to show it to you next time I see it I'll put a cool. picture up on our <laughs> Oh, actually, I think there's a picture on our on my website, uh, lovesetmatch.net. If you go to the uh, tennis lessons page, you'll see the picture of a ball machine there too. Cool. I know they were they were promoting one on the Racket podcast that supposedly is like awesome, and I was like, man, if only I, you know, I already have one. Yeah. But it's old, and like you said, my battery is is like I don't think it's like. 12 or 13 years old. Right. So the battery, I have to fully charge for eight hours just to get like 45 minutes. Exactly. To an hour. Exactly. I mean, it usually, I can't last that long anyway (laughs) (laughs) against a ball machine. Right. It's it's pretty brutal. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it would be nice to have a a new one, I think. Nice, fresh one. That's cool. I'm glad you have one. Yeah. And I think uh, really important in the COVID era, you know, where you have to be socially distanced. So sometimes, you know, you just can't play enough tennis. So you got to pull out the ball machine, which I I have done quite often in this time. Awesome. Well, that's good. Your game won't suffer. Yeah, it's it's definitely suffered. But (laughs) It won't suffer. It won't th- suffer as much. I think it su- suffer more in the fitness side. You know, I was really hoping that I would be a lot more fit through all this downtime. I would spend all my time exercising and building those that six pack, and you know, of course, <laughs> ultimate fail on all that stuff. You know. But I know you've got a lot done around your house and you painted your house and I'm sure you're doing you're like you like cleaned all your 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 tools in your garage so you know at least you're being productive. Home Depot has all my money. There we go. Well, all the kittens of Southern California have all my money. I cannot believe the cutest pictures you're posting. I love that one of all the kittens with Star Wars names. That was hilarious. Oh, yes, yes. That's my I have 10 right now. 10 so. kittens. Oh my gosh. It's fun. We're just going to have but to call you Valerie Kitty. That works. That works. <laughs> I'm the crazy cat lady now. <laughs> so fun. Well, I don't know yeah. how to transition into our giveaway with from kittens. but we are doing a giveaway it's called federer-esque not kitty-esque how's that federer-esque is you know the first elegant coffee table book it's so beautiful and we started the giveaway on last podcast and we're going to end it in this next month so please make sure that you enter Uh, to enter all you have to do is subscribe to our youtube channel which is at love set match tennis on youtube and then just send me an email that uh, letting me know your YouTube profile. Even if you've already subscribed to our YouTube channel in the past, that's fine. 
uh, just send me an email. We'll enter you to the drawing. I've got quite a few entries, Valerie, so I'm very excited to choose someone to win this beautiful, beautiful book. And thank you so much to the wonderful people behind Federesque who created this book and are doing this giveaway with us. They're going to mail it directly to the winner. Sweet. And I it's a great, that's a great book. And whoever wins it is going to be very lucky. They won't be disappointed. Yeah, it's it's a treasure to have. So I, I really enjoy it. And my, of course, my hope is uh, someday I'll get to see Roger Federer again. You know, I was hoping at Indian Wells, I would take the book and get it signed. But hopefully maybe next year, well, fingers crossed, right? Yeah, let's hope. Uh, Nicholas, our Rafa reporter, was just asking me if he's been getting the emails from Indian Wells saying tickets are available now. Have you been getting those emails? Yeah, for 2021. Yeah, I saw that. I know. It's interesting. It's like, well, it's kind of hard to plan. Like, do we buy them and then just get a refund again? Right. <laughs> or are they going to they're going to have it are they going to have it with no fans, you know? Like right. what's, it's hard it's so hard to tell what's going to happen. The Indian Wells bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that is a great uh, segue into the US Open because I cannot believe that the US Open is just one week away now and they're going for it. You know, last podcast we were saying shouldn't they be canceling? Wouldn't it be the prudent thing? I mean, at this point, there's no turning back, right? I mean, they are full steam ahead. They're going for it. And in this podcast later, people, please stay tuned for Rich Nehar, who's going to talk about some of his in-depth views on what's happening with the USTA and with the US Open. He's had great discussions with the president of the, the the national president of the USTA. So he has a lot more insight into what's happening there. And his newsletter, something I highly recommend, Tennis Club Business News. So you can check that out. What do you think, Valerie? Give us an update on what you know with players and where we are going into the US Open. Yes. Well, I, first of all, I can't wait to hear that interview after we go over this. Um, it, it's probably going to have so much insight to have a tennis insider. We're such outsiders. We're such fans, you know, uh, who just study, you know, whatever we could find. We don't have our press passes yet, uh, but one day we will, Philip. One day, one uh, day. <laughs> uh, so the U.S. Open, um, well, I will just preface to say the U.S. Open, for those who maybe don't know, uh, is going to be held at the in Flushing, where it normally is, Billie Jean King Center, um, currently, they are having the Cincinnati Masters 1000, which is the Western and Southern Financial Open. Um, I'm actually watching it on TV right now, Sloan Stevens. Wait, how are you death. watching it? Who's broadcasting it? Uh, tennis Channel. Oh, wow. That's yeah, I just watched John Isner win, and now I'm watching Sloan Stevens. She's down a set, but she looks good. They're on serve in the second. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I thought... It's great to I see there's that, no spectators, so that's kind of weird. And then when they make the announcements, like the chair umpire, it's kind of like, who are they announcing this to? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's definitely, you know, it's strange, but you know, when we were watching all those exhibitions and the camera angles kind of, you know, just were less than par for us, Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's at least nice to have all the big money at a tournament to yeah. have all the great camera angles we're used to. So you're getting to see tennis the way you really want to, right. just so, without the noise of fans. So it's not like the GoPro stuff that was happening behind the scenes, top 300 people, and then just one little GoPro kind of thing happening. Exactly, exactly. It's great cameras. It's the stuff we're used to. Um, but yeah, so the Western and Southern is happening. They're actually playing it 
the same place that the U.S. Open will be played, which is the Billie Jean King Center in New York. However, I think they're only playing on like outer courts, um, like court 10 and court 17 and, and a few others. Um, I don't actually know, but I'm assuming that they're doing that to give it a different feel and that when the U.S. Open starts, they'll play on the bigger stadiums. Um or at least different stadiums ah, um, gotcha. to make it to make it seem like a different tournament. Um, even though I th- I know that they try to make all the courts on one location as similar as possible. Um, at their level of professionalism, they can tell the difference between each court. You know, um, those minor little the subtle differences and the size of the court also right uh, makes a big difference. How much room you have to run around. But going on to the U.S. Open, I will try and list out in somewhat of a systematic order to keep it easy. I'll start with the women, ladies first. So uh, let me ask you a question. So the the reason that they're all playing on the USTA campus, is that because they're trying to create the bubble, uh, the tennis bubble to keep everybody safe? I believe so. I believe that, yeah, they did not want to have people, everyone going to Cincinnati and then tr- everyone traveling a week later. Right. Because the final's going to be this weekend, and then the U.S. Open starts like a day after the final. Right. And it's so interesting because I think that's really the only way that sports is moving forward right now. I heard this wonderful podcast from the New York Times about the NBA and the bubble that they had to create. They actually you know, chose Walt Disney World, created a bubble, and it's like $2 million to test every player. They're actually getting tested daily on the NBA side. Um, They had to test and then wait uh, 48 hours and then test again just to be in let into the bubble. And then all of these players are being tested every day. So, you know, millions of dollars being spent to create this bubble so that people could go and play basketball safely. Because, I mean, how do you play basketball? You're like in each other's face, you're sweating, you know, it's oh, just yeah. crazy. It's right? super close contact. <laughs> All kinds of fluids going everywhere, you yes, know? Yes, That's just crazy. And so at least tennis is outdoors. It's pretty distance. It's easy to keep your distance. Does the U- USTA have $2 million to spend on just creating that bubble and keeping everybody safe and then... Will the tennis players, you know, adhere to all of the regulations, right? That's the big question. Yeah, right. I did hear um, on the other podcast that one, so far, leading up to the Western Open, that um, there was one coach trainer who tested positive uh, with COVID. And so it's one of the trainers for one of the doubles teams. And so because of that, that doubles team obviously is out of the Cincinnati and has to wait now to see if they will get back in to the U.S. Open. So that's huge, right? I mean, once you test positive, you're out. That's that's the end of your play. There's no coming back because you'll have to wait at least 12 days, which is the whole tournament, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, actually, I think there was two more from South America two more players that are not going to be allowed to play because their trainers tested positive. Oh, wow. And there's just, like, not enough time to quarantine and test and be on the draw. Right. Um, wow. I don't, I don't remember their names. Um, they were, like, lower-ranked players. But, yeah, right. it's unfortunate. And I just read today that Key Nishikori tested positive for a second time. For a second time. I saw that, yeah. So I think it's 
it's questionable whether or not he will test positive in time to play. Um, right. But it's kind of, I think at this point, it's more likely than not that he won't play. Right, because, I mean, is he even, is he in New York already? That I do not know. C- because if he's not in New York, there's no way he's going to make it. How how will he travel tested positive? There's yeah. no way. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and then and then once he gets into New York, he'll have to quarantine for 12 days. So unless he's here already, it's too late. There's no way. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So shall I? Yeah. Shall I enlighten with my list? Please, yeah. I'm sorry um, to interrupt, but no, I was just thinking fine. out loud about how hard. <laughs> this situation is you know and and how strange it is that these sports um, entities like basketball or tennis these people are going to be tested every day right to make Mm -hmm. sure that everybody's safe and not only all the players but all the staff all the servers all everybody who is involved in this trainers physios and you know a lot of places in, in the u.s we can't even get a test so it's it's a it's a it's a little weird you know yeah for sure Um, But yeah, please update us. Tell us what's going on. Awesome. So I'm going to start with the women and I'll let you know who some big names that are in. Um, We got Serena. Miss Serena Williams. That's a a big deal, I think. Right. Uh, Is this a good chance for her to get number 24? Probably a great chance. Right. Um, And then is it kind of weird as well? Because she has those health pre-existing health conditions with her pulmonary embolism and such um, that, you know, were life-threatening when she was giving birth. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting that she chose to play. I guess she must really believe that they've made the tournament safe. Um, we have Coco Goff. She'll be playing. Sloane Stevens, uh, Sophia Kennan, and those are some of our big-name Americans. We have uh, Joanna Conta and... Your girl Pliskova is playing, and uh, Osaka <laughs> from the Czech Republic. Yes, and Osaka will be playing as well. So those are some of the big names that we can count on seeing. Um, and then there's a there's a lot of people who are in. I, I'm not going to obviously read the entire draw. And there's a sure. lot of people who are out. But I'm trying to just name you know like the bigger names people are going to recognize, um, and also probably more so leaning towards having some sort of like being the favorites in the draw um although it's very hard to say there's any favorites given the training conditions that everyone is going through right um it's like never before seen training conditions and everyone there's a lot of actually articles i found um when looking for this information that was on players you know either complaining or just just sharing their feelings about um how the training is not kind of like fair, quote unquote. You know, a lot of people, some people who don't have a lot of money or access to courts went months without being able to play tennis. Um, So anywho, we'll we'll see uh, what that holds in terms of if favorites hold up or not. Um, But so who's out? Uh, My girl Petkovic. She's out. Not that she's relevant, but I love me some Petkovic. Oh, she's so great. Because she's so silly. She's great. Uh, And she's such a character, right? Um, And artistic. In our sport. Yeah. Yeah. Love her. Love her. And then some big names and and former Grand Slam champions. Uh, Halep. Halep is out. That's Um, big. Yeah, that that is big. Not as surprising since she didn't play in um, South America when the Zika thing was going on. So... 
Um, I, I wasn't surprised that she chose to skip this. Um, Belinda Bencic is out. Um, defending champion Andreescu is out, but she actually has an asterisk. She's out just because she's injured. Um, she may have chose not to play anyway, but regardless, we won't know because she, I think, is it her hip or her ankle? Do you know what she hurt? I can't remember. I don't. Not right off the top of my head. Yeah, she's hurt again. That's the point, and uh, which is unfortunate because she was a rising star and having such a great start to the year. Um, Super talented. Wow. Ball yeah. skills. Her, her, her high forehand drop shot. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Ugh, I love watching her play. I'm so sad that she's hurt. Um, yeah. Former U.S. Open champ- champion uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova is out. Uh, Svidalina yeah. is out, um, along with her boyfriend, uh, Monthis, which we'll get to when we get to the men. Uh, Kiki Burton's, uh, the women's world number one, Ash Barty, is out. Pavlian Shinkova, uh, Julia Gorgas, Sam Stoser, my girl, and uh, Wong Chung is out. Um, Chinese number one. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, so she's not playing either. So that's my list of women who are out and... Uh, which just reminds me to say that basically all of the China swing is done. It's canceled. Like yeah. none of the Asian countries are hosting tennis uh, and their rates are incredibly low. Like they're closing everything down when they have like a new outbreak of 10, you know, COVID tests. And here we are in the <laughs> thousands in the U.S. and we're still holding a tournament. We're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> some may say arrogant but you know uh we'll see so yeah. w- with the men the men we ha- who do we have in who are we going to watch um and be excited about uh Djokovic um Djokovic will be in and I think he had a surprising early exit last year so I'm sure he'll be excited to do better um and he is probably really excited he's I'm pretty sure he's been vocal about not wanting to miss any chance to catch Nadal and Federer. So yeah. um, I'm pretty sure he's just hungry to get a Grand Slam asterisk or no asterisk. Uh, Murray, Murray actually, I think he got a wild card because somebody else uh, withdrew. Uh, Zverev. I feel, I feel like there's a little buzz around Murray right now. Like there's actually people talking about him and saying, you know, this could be something for him because he... You know he's returning to tennis in a, in a big way, where uh, he maybe wasn't ready, and now he's coming back. But at the same time, everyone's returning to tennis, and maybe everybody's not ready. So it almost is like an even playing field. And of course, he's an incredible player in his game style and his court knowledge. You know, so it's interesting to see what his game can do against uh, everyone else and how ready everybody else will be. Right. Yeah, I mean, I hope that would be really awesome because he's won the U.S. Open a couple times, right? A few times, maybe? Three times? Such a great player, yeah. Um, yeah, so excited about that. We have Sasha Zverev, um, Dominic Team, the man who never says no to a tournament. And uh, <laughs> Dan- Daniil Medvedev, uh, last year's finalist who took Nadal the five amazing sets. Um, he'll be back. Silich, former uh, champion, Sitsipas and rising star Barantini, they're they'll all be playing. So those are some players that we'll I'm sure we'll all have our eyes on, hoping that they can make it, you know, to the fourth round or so we can start seeing these classic matchups. Um, yeah. And then out, who's out? Well, 
obviously, you know, Nadal and Federer. Um, very sad to see them out. Nadal. I mean, N- yeah, Nadal, the for the champion. Yeah, he's not defend. 20. He's choosing not to defend his title. So um, that's so crazy, right? Both men and women's champion. That's got to be a first that they're both not returning. Yeah. How strange is that? 2020. Come on. Yeah. Well, we'll get to we'll get to maybe the reasons why um, when we talk about the rankings a little bit. Okay. Um, but I, there's been speculation that you know, had the rankings not been frozen, Nadal would have tried to play the U.S. Open. Um, but he's he has cited that he chose it for health reasons, um, and so you know, good for him. Kudos to him. Federer's going to be gone, but he is recovering from his surgery and um, re-aggravating the injury during rehabilitation. So he was going to be out anyway. And once again, there's talk around Federer, too, as just being that the guy who's lucky. Like, he also is benefiting a lot from the fr- frozen ranking points because right. he's not playing for... He's not going to play for eight, nine months at all, and he's going to have his ranking frozen. Um, right. So that's, you know, nice for him. He's a good um, planner. Yeah, right. He knows when to get injured. Um, we got Kyrgios, who's out. We have Songa, who's out. We have Stan Wawrinka, former U.S. Open champion, who's out, which made me really sad when I saw that. Um, and then, as I previously mentioned, Monfils is out and Nishikori most likely out. And then Luca Pui is also out. But I believe that is due to an injury and not a chosen coronavirus skip. Um, so that's our list of who's in, who's out. Again, I just, you know, I apologize if I left your favorite player out. Um, they probably weren't in the top 50. <laughs> that, that's a great are, list. That's a lot of great information. And of course, everything can change every day as we head on up to the US Open. But yeah, that's really great to know who's in and who's out right now. Yes. And then so I was speaking a bit about the rankings, which I just um, had to look it up. Because as I said, Nicholas had told me, what about the rankings? You know, um, I was like, wow, what a great point. So um, I quickly, before we got on this call, looked up what is happening with the rankings because I did see an article about them saying that, you know, Nadal was point calculating when deciding where to play. And so basically the way the rankings normally work is you have a calendar year. You have a 12-month period, you know, all your points for that year from from each tournament, you know, sit there. And the next year, if you do better, you get an increase in points. If you do worse, then your points fall off. So you can move up and down the rankings. But what what has changed is they're going to have a 22-month period. It's from March this year to, I'm sorry, March last year. from Because when we stopped, um, this year was in March. So they froze all of last year's. And it's going to December this year. So it's going to be 22 months instead of 12 months, which is almost doubling the amount of time that they're going to be basically frozen. And so what is going to happen, though, is... If the player chooses not to play the tournament, they still get to keep their points from the previous year. If they play, they're going to get to choose. Obviously, they're going to choose the better one, but basically they're going to get to keep their better result. So let's just say, let's say like for um, someone who won the tournament last year, let's just go with Cincinnati since that's what's happening right now. Someone who won Cincinnati last year if they play again this year and lose in the first round, they still get to keep their championship points from last year. 
Because they have the option to choose yeah, that. Exactly. So within the twenty month, twenty two month time frame, whatever their best result is from the from the even the same tournament gets to stick. So it's kind of a uh, that's very weird, right? Generally, you there's a lot of pressure on these players to do well if they've done well at a tournament the year prior. Um, but now they're going to get to play without fear of losing any ranking points. So yeah. So the other thing is that they they actually the way that they comprise the points is they take the best results from 18 tournaments in the last mother fudge that was awesome <laughs> sorry <laughs> so, <laughs> i got to use that piano note it was so dramatic <laughs> so the way they do it is they take the best 18 tournament results from the 22 month time frame and that is your ranking so, so that, it really is a great incentive for tennis players to play because, I mean, they could all choose to sit on the sidelines and lose nothing. But if they do play, they could better their ranking, especially like, for instance, Djokovic. He could easily better his ranking because he got knocked out last year. Exactly. And, I mean, we all assume that he will do quite well, if not win, easily. I mean, at least that's how I feel. Because he's been training and playing a lot, like, right? I mean, everyone's... Well, he, missing out on competition but he's got a good amount of training and competition compared to the rest of the field he also has this really strange advantage right now that he tested positive with covid months ago and assuming those antibodies are still active in his body he probably is impervious to covid during this time frame uh, i guess that would be the same with zverev as well right so uh, you would think but then nishikori tested positive again so there's a chance that that doesn't hold up. What was the time distance between when he had it and when he didn't have it? I actually don't know any of those details. Yeah, because um, I think, well, here at least in the United States, the CDC is saying approximately three months uh, that the antibodies give you protection. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, who knows if the information we're hearing from our federal government is correct or not. It's really hard to know. But, I mean, just just that feeling that maybe he can feel more free, be less stressed, less worried about illness just because he has that kind of advantage. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Possibly. I don't I don't really see anyone taking him out personally, but stranger things have happened. I know I've really been joking on the tennis court with my local buddies like you know, I even have the tournament. Just hand Joker the the, the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just give it to him and save all this, uh, you know, risk of getting infected. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if it's not Djokovic, I mean, you've got to think all these young guns are saying, look, I only have to beat Djokovic now. I don't have to beat three. And that's exactly. why it's always been impossible, right? Like, uh -huh. okay, you can beat Djokovic. Maybe then you could beat Nadal, but then you have to beat Federer or, you know, in any three, in any combination of those three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at minimum, you had to at least get through two of them back to back. Right. Which is nearly impossible. Nearly impossible. And, I mean, very few people have done it that I can think of. I mean, uh, team is right up there, right? He's mm -hmm. taken all of them out, I think. Uh, Zverev beat uh, Djokovic and... Federer at Federer. the at the finals, right? At the London, yeah. But to see that, yeah. again, that's three setters, which I don't think really count. I, I think I think in a, in a slam, there's yeah. only like one or two people who have ever done it. Right, 
Right. And I I think the record, even though everybody says Medvedev has a great chance, I mean, he, he's never actually won a five set uh, from, if I understand that correctly, in a five, five set final, I should say. Oh, gotcha. he's he's been in a couple of them and he's lost them all. So, yeah. Well, so who, I who has the best can't chance? Wait. Shall we shall we play the game now, uh, men and women? Like, what's your call? Well, it's really hard, right? Because you don't know. You don't. <laughs> Always. There's, there's no lead up tournaments other than right. the Cincinnati, which just started. Right. Um, you have and here's, a bunch of yeah. exhibition tournaments to go off of, which Djokovic and team and Zverev all did very well in. Um, but they were playing against, you know, a lot lower ranked players yeah. um, in these weird exhibitions, like the UTS, the Ultimate Tennis Showdown had weird rules, four quarters and all these, you know, antics, right? It wasn't like right. really tennis. And then uh, the other ones also had had different scoring, you know, um, the third set, I think for some of them were, was like a a tiebreak type of thing right? Um, instead mm-hmm. of a full set. So right. I don't know that any of them have had really enough conditioning um, to to know how they're going to do in five in the best of five for two yeah. weeks for a two, for a two week tournament, um, which has always been the U.S. Open. They've always said has been the hardest one because um, it's towards the end of the year and you're battling injuries. But everyone's now super fresh, but also super rusty, right? You're also battling a ton of heat. You know, usually oh, the yeah. U.S. Open is really brutal. Yeah, it really is. I guess they do it with uh, at the Australian Open is probably more brutal. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hot. And then it's weird. to. It's got to be weird, like playing a Grand Slam with no crowd. Right. Because you better believe that a crowd has so much to do with a lot of like, think of when if Serena gets tight or... Djokovic or whoever, right, who normally have, like, a ton of crowd support, um, unless they're playing Federer in Djokovic's case. But uh, normally these people are really used to being able to get sort of pumped up and get a bunch of energy from the crowd support. And then, like, how weird is it going to feel that they're playing for a Grand Slam with no one clapping, no one screaming, you know? Um well, I've got to think that that gives the advantage to the underdog, whoever that is, yeah. because they're they're used to not getting the cheers. Exactly. In fact, they're used to getting you know kind of uh, anti cheers, <laughs> people cheering when they double fault or people cheering when they hit it out. You know, so they're actually going to have less of a distraction, and maybe it kind of evens the playing field in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be the coolest and strangest U.S. Open. I can't wait to watch as much as possible because we're going to see like really crazy stuff happening. I mean, I yeah. think I think there's going to be a lot of shocking headlines as far as like not only just who loses early to someone they shouldn't have lost to, quote unquote, but also who like how does coronavirus play? Um, whose trainer is going to test positive and they're going to have to withdraw because, you know, they have to quarantine or something like that, you know? Um and then what happens? Like, do we have a, a draw full of walkovers? Um, or do lucky losers get thrown in? Um, it'll just be interesting, right? It'll just be a, a tournament we've never seen. Yeah, I honestly feel like it's such a blip on the on the calendar. It's just such an anomaly that it just shouldn't count. Like, I really feel like the U.S. Open should just be an exhibition until we actually get back to, you know, where everything is 
somewhat normal and and people can actually play again because i mean even if Djokovic wins you know that everybody's going to say oh well that's because it was the covid tournament you know <laughs> it's like yeah. they're going to totally discount it and i think i think it's actually different for serena i think if serena wins i feel like they're going to give it to her more but who do you think is the biggest competition on on the women's side well you, i think serena is the is i think there's it helps and hurts her equally more than anyone. How First so? of all, Serena is notorious for losing to players she shouldn't lose to early on when there's a lot of pressure. Right. Um, but she also really relies on the crowd at the U.S. Open to help push her through those close matches. So I feel like she's very vulnerable in the sense that she's not going to have that support to help push her over the edge. If she ha- wakes up and has a bad day, she's screwed. Mm. Like, yeah. because she's missing that, that extra edge she has um, being a home, home player. However, that being said, I think, like, because there's no, no one there and it, it'll be a lot less pressure, right? Because everything's so kind of strange, I feel like maybe she'll just, all of those expectations of, you know, 30,000 people screaming her name, you know, not being there will help her as well. Yeah. To just yeah. kind of relax, so it it'll be interesting to see how she actually goes with that, and I think the draw will be important, right? I mean, right. who right. knows if she gets someone who's the draw means so much, so much for everyone, right? right? Uh, I'm feeling great about Osaka too. I mean, I feel like Osaka can take anybody out if she's up to speed, and you know, she's oh, so yeah. young, she's so fast, so. Uh, I feel like this is her tournament to lose in a lot of ways. I feel like Serena is a little bit under Naomi as far as chances are concerned. But true, uh, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say like Pliskova, like she she kills at all the you know lower ranked tournaments, uh, and usually kind of doesn't do as well at uh, these Grand Slams, which is why she's not a Grand Slam champion yet. But I wonder if it's going to be different here because there isn't that much pressure. There isn't the crowd. It really is match by match, player against player, without all the other stuff. And that's when she does really well. She's super calm. So I'd like to see her really step up and just play her game without all the distraction and pressure. I wonder if this could be her call. I think you're totally onto something there. Um, she definitely does feels pressure from a crowd and tends right. to lose matches that she shouldn't um, right. and does very well when it's not like a big stakes match like a Grand Slam. Um, so I don't see why not. And plus with her serve, you right. know, uh, what a weapon. Yep. yep. I, I would not, I would not definitely not be surprised but i'm really hoping that one of the americans will step up and take it mm. um coco goff actually lost in the first round of cincinnati yeah um wow. so hopefully that doesn't hurt her confidence but um we'll see I, I that would be nice to see her have a nice run as well i mean and that's the whole point right no one is match ready on the men or women's side there's no one is match ready there haven't been matches how can they be match ready and they can practice all they want they can do you know uh practice matches all they want but it's a different thing when you're playing against the next person down the list who is just as high level you know approaching high levels you not a practice partner so none of these people are ready in my book 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, and the women haven't had very many exhibition tournaments. Um, the men have had quite a few. And uh, Sloan Stevens just lost, FYI. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so hot and cold, man. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I'm also feeling on the men's side, team is right there. I mean, I don't feel like he's lost any bit of his intensity. Even after the uh, Adria tour where everybody tested positive, he literally flew on a plane to the next tournament. You know, he was just like, there, I'm ready, I'm playing, I'm done. I kind of feel like if it wasn't for COVID, this would be his time. Uh, so even with now the quarantine, can he even more so take advantage of the fact that he's really on right now? Yeah, I mean, I would think that he's definitely the favorite next in line to Djokovic. Right. Um, without a question. Yeah. So we'll see. It will be. It would be fun to see him do well. You know. Um, yeah. Of course, with Nadal and Federer out, and as a Federer fan, <laughs> I would love to see someone step up and get and have a new, have a new champion. Um, In a lot of ways, for Djokovic, he gets off the hook because. If these were normal tournaments without the quarantine, man, he'd be grilled incessantly about all the negative press that he's gotten up to this point mm -hmm. with his tour, you know, with the anti-vax, with, you know, all of the stuff that he's talking about for the vaccination. I feel like he would be, he'd feel a lot more negativity, but because it's going to be so quarantined, much of the press is not going to be there. I think he's going to have a little bit of a get out of jail free card going on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just so so many strange things that are going to affect this, but it it'll be cool. I mean, where when will we ever have this experience again? Yeah. Um, and then it'll be cool when the French Open comes in a month or whenever that is and to see the kind of differences between how the two play out. Yeah. All right, we're going to end it there. That's our show for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. As promised, we will have the Rich Nahar interview on the next episode, which I will upload very shortly. I can't wait to hear what Richard has to say um, about everything. I think you'll really enjoy hearing about his views on the USTA, his drop-in tennis program and book, and more insider info on the US Open. Don't forget to check out our Federer-esque giveaway online. Yay! You can join our conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content on our blog, lovesetmatch.net. And thanks again to our sponsor, Tennis Pal. Visit their website at tennispal.com to download their helpful tennis app. I think you'll really enjoy it. Hey, stay safe, enjoy the U.S. Open, and may all your serves be, be aces. aces.